Detective Phelps, LAPD Homicide. John Ferdinand Jameson. We need you to answer some questions, John. If you don't mind, I prefer Ferdinand. Don't push your luck, knucklehead. What were you doing to the body, Ferdinand? Are you sure you won't be upset? Try me, Ferdinand. I was kissing her. Welcome to Laps Gamer Radio. I'm your host, Mark Hamer, and this is your weekly Laps news update for the week commencing April 18th, where we first chatter about our news in regards to what we've been playing recently, and then the news in a broader sense in terms of any video game related news stories which might have caught our attention of late. And if we've got time, we'll also respond to any relevant listener questions or feedback we may have had, and any extra bits and pieces which come to mind along the way. On today's episode, I'm joined by regular LGR team members, Stuart and Andy. Good evening, guys. Hello. Hello. Hiya. Hey. Uh, we are down a few members. Kev is currently recovering from the editing nightmare he had with the last episode, the the Cullenpocalypse, or whatever you want to call it, of last week's episode with uh, guest team member Stuart Cullen, which was um, interesting, to say the least. <laughs> and uh, I think Lee's busy watching Star Wars, which I should probably be doing, but there you go. And Adam Zill. Yes, Adam's, Adam phoned in sick. Yeah, and Adam's uh, phoned in sick. So you stuck with us three tonight. So it'll be compared to last week. It'll be a nice, quiet, sedate episode. So sit back, relax, <laughs> and enjoy. So we'll start with questions from the community. Uh, first one come in from James Mail. That's JM one one seven on Twitter, and he asks, "When will we finish an incursion?" I think that one was directed specifically at me. Um, James is one of the people I play the division with regularly and we've attempted several times to complete the new incursion mode and failed miserably every single time so in answer to your question James probably never because we're we're pretty rubbish at the game but uh, we'll keep chipping away and we'll get there eventually and uh, our other questions come in from Lee (laughs) <laughs> who couldn't be with us tonight but he sent a question in anyway uh, a question for the chaps on tonight what game are you absolutely intending to play and finish in the remainder of 2016 and why let me guess let me guess is it a Warhammer game uh, shit yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's but it's going right back to the specy it's been in my collection hero quest Ooh. It's been coming up so many times recently. There has been like I think I've been listening to the same coin. Dusty Jabber, Jabber mentioned it there. I mentioned it. Then it came up in a gremlin um, Twitter vote yesterday. And I was just like, right, I need to get this game finished. I'm just going to go back to it and get it done this year. And then I might start my epic quest through the Warhammer games. That will be quite an impressive quest. Yeah. I know, I know, so many, but yeah, I just I need to get that game done. It's been there, I'm respect. It's just lying there in the box for what best part of 26 years. Wow, <laughs> still on cassette. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How many uh, Warhammer games are we up to scheduled for release this year? Now, 20, 30. Well, God knows. We keep announcing. I think one came out, Man of War. That's been on Twitch showing off. Yeah. Another one came out the other week, Battlefleet, Battlefleet Gothic. There's too many. I can't Just, keep up with myself. Yeah. <laughs> Surprised. I was going to say, I think one of them is, yeah, Gothic's up on Steam at the minute, 10% off, so I think it must have yeah. come out this week. 
or thereabouts about that. Yeah, so and, uh, and uh, I just can't keep up myself. So I'm just yeah, hero quest. That's it. My game, I am going to throw my hat into the ring and going to say that I am going to start and finish Mass Effect this year. Oh, a whole trilogy. So, no, no, just the first one. Just the first one. Oh, that'll the first one, that's fine. Time. That'll only take you about yeah. 80 hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me that. <laughs> oh, I've just finished LA Noir and I put, what, 30-something hours into that, so it's... Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm, I'll do Mass Effect. Hmm. That'll be my one for 2016, plus whatever else I end up playing. I'm not entirely sure. I've got this. There's a lot of games that um, that are coming... Oh, in, talk, in terms of, like, new games that are coming out... Or new games that have already come out and have played. It's like some of them are like, can you even finish them? Like my most anticipated game for this year, No Man's Sky. I don't think you can finish it. But surely we'll still have a central story that we'll be able to finish. It's like Skyrim, you'll have an epic quest that you finish and that'll be the main game. And then if you want to continue doing all the side quests... I don't know if, if you will, because if you wanted to spend one second on every single planet in No Man's Sky, it would take more time than the the sun has left to burn out before our solar system disappears. <laughs> so I don't think it's possible to finish that game. There is an end point, apparently, and that's to get to the centre of the universe, even, even if that is the end point, but I don't think that game ends at all. It's just something you, it's like Minecraft. Does Minecraft ever end? But uh So all those people complain about the price, tell them to fuck off because you're gonna get yeah, a value I know. game. <laughs> yeah. I can't think of another game which has more like uh, minutes played to uh pounds spent ratio than uh well because the, the earth sun is due to burn out in four point six billion years. And it'll take longer than that to spend one second on every planet in No Man's Sky. So, uh, yeah, pretty good value for money. In terms of games with an actual endpoint, if I set a reasonable target, the new Uncharted, that'll probably take about 15 hours to do, right? That's yeah. usually short yeah. game to take. They're usually yeah. quite short. So, yeah, I'll, I'll say that at the moment because I can't think of anything else that's coming out this year. Oh, no, Persona 5. I will play the shit out of Persona 5 when that comes out, and I will finish it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so moving on to what we've been playing, uh, who wants to start us off? I'll go on this one. So, as I said before there, I have finally finished L.A. Noir. Well, at least I've worked through my way through all the cases and all the DLC cases. Nice. Um, this was developed by Team Bondi, um, published by Rockstar and distributed by Take-Two Interactive, um, and released back in 2011. Mm. Um, so, I have put a solid 30 to 40 hours into it, and uh, I am done with it, and I am very pleased that I spent the time there and I would definitely say that this is a recommendation for a lapsed gamer mm. um, particularly as usually in the um, both PSN and I'm sure Microsoft and certainly on Steam whenever it comes up in the sales it's usually in around a fiver yeah. um, or thereabouts so for the sort of amount of money that you would pay for it and the time that you're going to get out of it it is definitely worth putting your time into um, I had a lot of fun with it and it's a nice relaxed pace, um, but each of the cases is varied enough, and um, even the action sequences and what have you um, throw in just that little bit of uh, extra sort of variety. Um, in each of the cases, it's definitely more of a detective game than something like um, sort of the Grand Theft Auto, yeah. Um, with the the engine and what have you that it's based on, um, it's like. And it's really interesting seeing a lot of recognisable Hollywood actors, mm. very obviously having been mo-capped mm. um, and playing different parts and what have you within that. 
Towards the end, um, it is a little bit shaky storyline-wise. I think there's sort of a twist and um, you end up playing as a different character towards the end which throws the sort of general story arc off a little bit. But other than that, it is a very, very good game. Um, I have on Steam about 40 of the 60 achievements done, so I might go back and achievement hunt on some of the things. I'm definitely not going to go back and do all the clues and five star all the cases. I might try hunting for a lot of the automobiles and possibly the golden film reels, just because those seem to be a nice way of spending time in the world without necessarily um, actually going back and doing the cases themselves. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed that. Did you um, did you try playing it with the black and white mode on at all? Oh no, I actually didn't. I didn't even realise that was a thing. Yeah, you can. Is that you can, within uh, the options or yeah, in the options you can. Uh, no, it's just in the options. It was on the, the original 360 release, so I assume it's on subsequent releases as well. You can just go into the oh, options and flick it to black and white, so it feels more like playing a, a, a classic noir film. I may do that. There's a couple of other cases I want to go back to um, specific mm. cases that give me a couple of achievements so I might actually go back and try the black and white mode on them then. Yeah, it's been a long time since I played it and I can't remember a lot of the cases but there were certain ones in it that were that were brilliant. Uh, the Reef of Madness case and the, um, the the one that revolves around arson as well. Yeah, that was I don't want to say yes. too much because you know I don't want to get into spoilers for anyone who hasn't played yeah. it and wants to play it. But um, the cases, homicide cases, yeah, the some homicide cases revolving around the Black Dahlia um, yeah. are an an interesting series of cases. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are they're a little bit gruesome, maybe. Mm. Um, depending on what way you look at it um, but yeah it's uh, just such a nice game to sit and play and uh, it doesn't take too much um, not necessarily effort but it's a relaxed um, is the easiest way to play that sort of and uh, yeah it's definitely very very good it was a shame that Team Bondi kind of went under afterwards because they spent a lot of money developing this this incredible technology to map mm. faces I mean, it's, it's almost like Uncanny Valley. It was a bit odd at first, but once you get used to it, the, the, the facial animation, well, it's not really facial animations, it's fully motion captured, yeah. um, is fantastic. Um, and I, it come under a lot of criticism for various different reasons, tonal shifts and whatnot, but I, I still really enjoyed it. And I was really, really looking forward to what they were going to do next, because they announced that Whore of the Orient game. Uh-huh. There was supposed to be a um, another crime sort of game, but based in 1930s Shanghai. And I thought that that sounds like a really interesting concept. It could be great. And they announced it back in 2012, and it was originally supposed to come out in 2015. And then, as of 2013, nothing's been said of it. And then Team Bondi no longer exists. Um, yeah, which is a real shame. Yeah, wasn't it down to the lead, well, team leader or something? I can't remember the owner. Um, somebody McNamara. Mm, I think there was yeah. issues and what have you with how the team was running, things like that, mm. and. Whether or not it had anything to do with Rockstar or the, not necessarily distributors, but I think Microsoft and sort of Sony weren't necessarily sure about the direction of the game itself mm. um, compared to, because it was sort of billed as a 1947 version of Grand Theft Auto, which it really isn't. No, it's um, not. But I think they were, look- yeah, they were definitely looking at it that way and were hope- obviously hoping for a more action-orientated game and something a little bit more sellable. But for the game itself, it is fantastic. And actually, just coming back to that, um, you on a previous show, um, it had been mentioned about what franchise or whatever that you would like to see back. Mm. To be honest, I think L.A. Noir would look would work fantastically as an episodic game. Yeah, um, you yeah, could be given yeah. you could be given a handful of cases, a completely different detective each time, and uh, but based in that world, and I think that would be really good. 
get um, rid of um, get rid of all the open world elements uh, and just have yeah. like the individual areas where you were conducting the investigations and the bits in the police station and whatnot. Just yeah, just like trim it down to just yeah. that stuff and have it as episodes. That would be great if you could if they that actually would. sold it as a what is essentially a point and click adventure game rather than a GTA style open world game, which it never really yeah. was. Yeah, I think that would be fantastic. So it would also give them a little bit more time to hone and possibly lengthen the stories for each of the cases. Um, yeah. Some some of the cases you can maybe sit and play through in about an hour, maybe. Mm. And sometimes it feels like, I would like this to last just a little bit longer, a little bit more investigation here and there. Mm. And uh, it, would be, it would be really good. Mm. So yeah, an episodic L.A. Noir or something very similar would be very good. Have any of yeah. you played the Sherlock Holmes games? I mean, I haven't personally, but I've heard they're quite similar like that especially for the last one and there's what, a new one coming out punishments. yeah and there's a new one being released this year mm. sometime I haven't played them but um, I think well, this was the last ones I would have played but it would have been the very old Mega CD FMV based ones <laughs> um, but yes certainly um, there has been quite a few there are a lot of fans of those new Sherlock Holmes ones and a lot of people um, actually looking forward to the new one coming out yeah, yeah I've to be got quite um, Crimes and Punishments on uh, sat in my uh, PS Plus library on PS3 yeah. uh, that I will load up and play at some point um, right another game that I've been playing is Burn It Down um, it was developed by Tabinator Inc and is on both Android and iOS. The best way of explaining this game is that it's a mashup between um, Super Meat Boy and Limbo. It has the sort of pixel graphics of um, Super Meat Boy and the sort of action um, orientation, but the atmosphere of Limbo. Yeah. I think the sort of vague story... Oh, well, the game style is that you have to make your way through 50 levels of the game in one hour of game playtime. Um, so you know, in each of the levels you have to make past um, certain obstacles, jumping over holes, dodging spikes, flicking switches, etc. Um, all while also avoiding the ghost of your girlfriend. Yeah. I want to say. Um, and occasionally so. coming across yeah, occasionally coming across your cat. <laughs> so yes, we're not entirely sure why you have to avoid the ghost of your girlfriend or what happened before that, and we're guessing that's explained at the end of the game. Um, but yeah, I think I stumped up the money for no ads, which was 78p, which, considering the amount of playtime I'm getting out of it, is a mm. small uh, amount of money, especially whenever you can get a chocolate bar um, for more than that. Yeah. Uh, 78p is nothing, um, compared to some games that, um, whenever you get the option to turn off ads, are 2 three pounds. Mm. A really fun little game um, with a, yeah, a dark uh, premise. Yeah, so I've been playing a little bit of this as well. It, it's creepy as hell. Um, yeah, the weird right, yeah, put head, headphones on. Yeah. soundscape. Yeah, the weird soundscapes and everything kind of remind me of that um, that two D creepy survival horror game that came out on Vita and uh, PS3 the other year, uh, Lone Survivor. Which I, I, yeah, admit, I think I it's on. Play much of it. We yeah, it's on Wii U and PS. Uh, or oh, uh, Wii U and PC as well, sort of. Yeah, I think it's on quite a lot of platforms as well. Yep. But the whole, um, the jumping, avoiding spiky things, and uh, trying to complete the whole game within uh, an hour reminded me loads of the original Prince of Persia platformer as well. Oh yes, oh. of course. Because you had to do the whole thing of that within an hour as well, and that has it was, a lot yeah. of jumping over spiky platforms and whatnot so yeah, it's, it's a nice yep. little mesh of, um, of different styles um, it does it works really well on mm. uh, mobile as well so it does yeah um, you've got two si- two sides of the screen one moves your left one moves your right um, if you 
are moving in one direction for a certain period of time you will whenever you get the ledge you will automatically do a larger jump and uh, you can bounce off walls as well depending on your jump time but obviously that's not what you want to do sometimes mm. uh, you actually want to slow yourself down and just sort of gently drop off an edge on occasion yeah uh, so yeah really nice mechanics in it as well mm. yeah I, I need to, to, to stump up the 70p to get rid of adverts as well because I'm really enjoying it <laughs> yeah it's uh, definitely worth it so it is mm. The other game I've been playing, um, I had a go at the Lost Reavers um, beta that was released on the 14th of April on Wii U, um, published by Bandai Namco and uh, developed by Bandai Namco as well. This is a multiplayer quest game, I want to say. Um, From what I played of it, it was maybe about half an hour. Um, It seems interesting. Um, You're a team of three or four and you basically have to get to the end of a level and pick up a relic and between yourself and the rest of the team get that relic back to the home point um, of the stage all while sort of taking out zombies and um, other enemies um, as you go along. The beta seemed fairly good although I had issues connecting to games on occasion and they're I don't know if there's any actual voice chat or anything in it, so it's kind of weird playing with people who you have obviously a set goal, but if they're not necessarily sticking to the game plan, um, it can make the game a lot harder. So it'll be interesting to see if there's the actual speak works over uh, Nintendo or whether um, people just, if they know they're going to be in a team together, use Skype or something similar. Um, Play wise, um, it's sort of large open rooms that you move through and um, it will occasionally um, you get through one door and then it'll load a new bit of the map with another um, half dozen rooms all chained together and with zombies um, either being generated um, or coming from um, other rooms um, and therefore attacking you there's a mixture of um, classes that you can choose from there's a schoolgirl with a sword and a gun there was another uh, tank um, based character and uh, two other ones there seems to be a range of weapons that you can pick up and I don't know if there's going to be any in-app purchases um, but there was also a couple of other wardrobe choices that you could make for the characters so that might be something that they um, are bringing in uh, or a little bit of in-app purchases just for the items and things like that. Um, interesting mechanics, um, whether or not it'll hold up or whether or not there will be the sort of long-term support for it. I think that a lot of it needs to be fleshed out about why, what the goal of the game is other than um, just bringing relics back to uh, the home point. Um, but not too bad. Compared to something, say, like Monster Hunter, I don't know if there will be the fan base or... Um, anything like that but then Monster Hunter had an awful lot more games to actually build up a, a fan base and yeah. um, a network community and things like that so it'll be interesting to see what happens with it and that's, is it an open beta? yes it is okay. um, there's a demo it was about a gig in size or such on the Wii U so worth having a go at I think it runs until the end of the month I think it's the 27th or possibly a little bit after that um, so if you haven't already got it, certainly go on and uh, get it off the eShop. I'll give that a download and try it out. That is all for me. Okay, Mandy? Yeah, I've played a couple of games since last time I was on. Have you, let me guess, you completed both of them? No. Oh. <laughs> Only one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I did I did get major breakthrough today on the, on the other one. I was quite happy with myself. Okay. Uh, first one, uh, and this one I did complete and uh, did run through, is God of War Ascension mm. on the PS3. 
Um, came out in 2013, I think it was. Right, yeah. just before the um, release of PS4. It is available on PS Plus, or was available on PS Plus. Um, yeah. yeah, so this is Ev- Stars, Every Psychologist's Worst Nightmare in Kratos, and the hero that people love to hate. <laughs> How would he be an anti-hero? Anyway. Definitely an anti-hero. Uh, definitely the anti-hero. Yeah, it's a prequel story to the whole... Uh, God of War series so it takes us not right to the beginning but takes us where Kratos is trying to break his bond with Ares and actually he's, yeah, he's trying to break his bond with Ares and he's fighting what we call in Greek mythology Fioris I believe Yeah, it goes takes you through the story there's no gods involved as such you still hear the voice of Gaia who was involved in the main trilogy she's like doing a bit of a narration and essentially, it's it's got a bit of a prequel problem, you know, because you're coming up with the special powers he's got. Like, for example, he can now um, control time, so he can rebuild statues, bridges, um, win- uh, watermills, yeah, watermills, and he can destroy things as well. And you really don't see those powers for, you know, in God of War. Got- to R3. You fight across various levels, fighting Medusas, ogres, elephant ogres, little minions, um, with your big... What are they called? His big scythes? I've never got scythes for the... Those blades on chains. Yeah, the blades on yeah. chains. Yeah. Whatever they're called. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the fighting system, once again, is brilliant. Um, I'm gonna. This is a recommendation for a lapsed gamer, really. Um, I know... It's not gonna. I know people have misgivings about it because of the character, but the battle system and the how you progress with it and the controls and the movement of it is spot on. And it's not as complicated as I say as Bayonetta. It doesn't have no, that it's real. Not. It doesn't have that real flamboyance over the topness of it at times. No. But Bayonetta, but what it does provide is it feels solid. You know, so when you're beating these. Um, people up, not people, but the ogres, the monsters and everything, you do feel that you are in control of it, you do feel that you are um, winning, you know, and when you're getting beat, there are ways out of it. So in terms of control, it's ideal for a lapsed gamer. Um, well, these controls allow you to pull off epic moves, um, you collect souls to progress your weapons, there's different weapons throughout. Um, the graphics, once again, are brilliant. Um... The epic nature is constantly reinforced. I do, I do love ancient Greece. That's one of the reasons I do love these games. But the epicness and the way the producers, the developers, Santa Monica, put the camera, especially on the PS3, this one and the God of War 3, they've really taken it to really true cinematic ways and they do show you the statues and the environment of ancient Greece like I said you don't fight the guards there is some attempt at softening the character if you can do (laughs) (laughs) much much needed softening well yeah they're they're (laughs) attempting to chisel him out out you know Mm. chisel little bits you know so he does have a friend and there's a choice at the end but um, he's made you don't control the choice but overall for about 8 to 10 hours Highly recommend it. If you've already got your PS Plus list, buy it. We'll download it and get it played. It's, it's only about £6 or so. 
to buy, really. There are some well-documented problematic issues with some aspects of the tone of um, the God of War games. Yeah. Um, their depiction of women and things like that. But uh, very few games manage to come across... Uh, have set pieces as epic yeah. as the God of War games. Like I haven't played Ascension, but in the original trilogy, um, there is something pretty epic about fighting and bringing down a, a an ancient Greek god, um, and they make it look huge on the screen. Um, yeah, yeah. Like you've seen, it's it is. Uh, they are. They've always been a little bit easier. They're not as um, the, the character action games for people who aren't particularly good at character action games, yeah. which is bricks and perfect for players like me, who um, are terrible at the bayonetters and the devil may cries of this world. So um, I have enjoyed what I played. I, I think I downloaded, or I added to the library at least, um, Ascension when it was free on PS Plus, so I will play that at some point. Yeah. It is worth playing. I mean, I know people hate the character. I know, like say, the women depicted in the previous games are really negative. Um, these are depictions of women in here. It's only one small scene. And I think this one was the one they had a trophy, uh, Bros Before Hose, and they had to change it. Yeah. I think, yeah, this was the one. Um, but, I mean, there's an epic battle at the end. You're fighting a fury that turns into an kraken type beast that takes for you know you got and you take forever to beat it. You stick it on easy, which I did. You know, because I just wanted to play through the story and just enjoy a nice easy game. You will enjoy it, you will get out of it if you can get past the misgivings of who he is. He's basically This was um this wasn't this the one where they introduced a multiplayer element as well? Yes. Yeah. Where you're fighting other players whilst a giant cyclops is trashing the map and yeah, and, and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I played it on the beta, but I think somehow maybe I didn't download because this was one of those games that you needed a network key. You know, and the industry went through that phase. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, you need a network key. So this is one of those where I think I might have used the network key, but um, I need to download to the PS3. I was playing it, but I didn't bother. And after that, I just couldn't be bothered going back to it and playing multiplayer. I suspect there's not many people playing it because it's really only the CODs and battlefields that really last quite You'd a few years. You'd be surprised yeah. um, there are still <laughs> people playing the Mass Effect 3 multiplayer. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, you'd be surprised. You might struggle to find a match, but you'll still find people playing it, I imagine. Well, I mean, the last try was it? The last mo- yeah, Skylanders multiplayer. Mm. There was no one playing that, and that was the latest, the latest one. Um... Hmm. So um, I couldn't get on a game on that. So it's strange, isn't it, that these multiplayer games, some of them really do last. Like say Mass Effect, I wouldn't have thought that would lasted, but others just die a death. Actually, just talking about sort of multiplayer games dying a death, it's interesting to note that uh, there's still people playing the uh, driving uh, multiplayer part of Rage. Really? So they are <laughs> on yeah on PS3. Yeah, wow. you can still go on and you can still get a multiplayer game huh. and. You can actually still get a multiplayer game on pure and split-second velocity Yeah. Um, on the PS3 as well. And those are both fairly well. Uh, uh, a lot of people still playing those. That's mm. cool. That's really good. And uh, those are, well, those are at least sort of five um, years old or so. Yeah. Um, I think Pure was one of the earlier releases on the PS3, and certainly Split Second didn't come out too long after that. 
Yeah. So it's interesting that yeah, admittedly those are driving games and possibly a certain type of person is still playing those, but it's nice to see that there are still um, games to be played on this. I would say it's nice to see the servers are still running for these games because you know, like you see. <laughs> I mean, look at EA closing the FIFA servers after a year, and Sony mm-hmm. did with the um, MLB for sure after a year. They just closed the servers down, and you have you're either forced to move to the next game, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the problem with the yearly iterations mm. of um, particularly sports games. That yeah, they do shut down the servers purely to sort of push you on to the next one. Mm. But uh, yeah, no, it's interesting to see a lot of old games still seem to have the servers up and running. It's good to hear. Yeah, the second game is what I think is is the best game of this generation. And I'm, wow, it's yeah, an old yeah, it is. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to justify it. Um, it's Shadow of Mordor. Um, mm. Came out in 2014, and after the last show was on a couple of weeks ago, when we said the games I need to get back to, um, this was one of them. So yeah, this is one of mine. Yeah, so I went back to it and I did about I'd done about nearly ninety percent and I'd put in thirty hours into this game. Um, since then, I put another five or so hours just trying to get do this level. But yeah, this for me is the best the game of the generation. If I was going to show a gamer or a non-gamer the, a game a game to get them into this generation, would it would be this game? Like, you know, I should leave this game. Get this game on PS4, Xbox One, or PC, and you will I, love it. I'd say don't get it on old gen consoles unless that's the only option no. you've got. No, because no. the old ones don't have the Nemesis system. Yeah, and that's that's the system that makes this game. Mm. You know, it's basically you're a ranger and you become bonded with. Yeah. I do like Lord of the Rings, but I can't remember his yeah. name, and I didn't note it down. But the guy who made the, the Rings of Power for Sauron, you get bonded with him, and he's the, he's like the spirit. Um, and it essentially, is, is Assassin's Creed in Mordor, mm. <laughs> but without the um, environment of a city and all that. You do have little orc bases dotted around, and... You do have towers, and you do have fast travel around, and the the, it, the world is populated, and it's mm. it's a constantly ongoing. But it has better combat, it has better movement than, than any of the Assassin's Creed games I've played. And what makes this is, like Matt's mentioned, is the Nemesis system. Yeah. Um, this is just unbelievable. It, I think it creates a unique game for every player. And it's never been used since. And it's never been used since. And it's yeah. such a shame because mm. what it does, it creates, almost makes it feel like personalised enemies. You've got yeah. these orcs who have killed you. Mm-hmm. Or, and they remember you and they say, oh, you've come back for more, have you? Mm. And so it creates this almost like vendetta you've got with these orcs. And if they kill you, could totally screw with your game because behind the scenes is an orc power hierarchy going on yeah it's like a constant power struggle isn't there between these characters yeah and if they kill you um, they get increased their power and so you could for example you've got a special ability called branding where it allows you later in the game to take control of orcs so they're under your power 
and you get killed and all of a sudden you could have a number of arcs in power and all of a sudden it just shifts totally and your game's like oh fuck so it makes <laughs> every death that you um, that happens to you means something unlike in certain other games you know like Assassin's Creed where I've been killed right I could go back and beat the bad guy nothing changes this one the whole system changes and this little orc who's just beating you has taken out one of your guys moved on further and is almost right to the top of the hierarchy going shit and each of these orcs has a different um, vulnerability and different strengths so one orc might be susceptible to um, these beasts called caragors he might have a fear of them another but he might not be he'll be invulnerable to ranged attacks you can't do any ranged attacks to him another orc might be vulnerable to explosions or stealth attacks but has is invulnerable to monsters and so if you set a monster on him he just kills it no problem so all these orcs are really individual the voice is individual the script is unbelievable it's by a guy called Dan Adner and he's one of my favourite writers because funnily enough he writes He's written quite a few books for the um, Warhammer universe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but this what makes the game so special, that this nemesis system, and it's, I think, truly, the only thing that I would say is has been introduced to this generation that makes a difference in games. I know we've got the new AI, I know we've got more expansive worlds, I know we've got all this better graphics etc etc but like we said on the PS3 version the Xbox 360 this this nemesis system isn't there so and it's only truly this generation so this this is what makes it the um, game of a generation for me and Mm. also so I've been playing it and I've just had to control the five war chiefs and it's taken me a fucking age (laughs) just to get branded these five war war chiefs and I just did it just before I came on the show so I was quite quite happy with myself so I can get to the last level but I am going to complete it and I'm going to 100% it with all the DLC as well yeah it's it's a really good game I, the character you're trying to think of by the way is uh, Keller Brimble yeah the only reason I know that is because I'm one of those talking geeks who not only read Lord <laughs> of the Rings but also read the Silmarillion and the Unfinished Tales and the uh, appendices to Lord of the Rings as well <laughs> so um, yeah I'm a bit of a talking nerd uh, at least I was when I was younger um so I, I don't know why I never finished this. I think it was just the case that too many games came out in too short a period of time and it got pushed to the back. Mm. On the face of it, if you were to play this on Xbox 360 or PS3, it's just another Assassin's Warner Brothers yeah. open world game with a million and one shades of brown yeah, with some Assassin's Creed elements and lots and lots of collectibles and things like that. It is the Nemesis system which makes it unique and I, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you that it is it is something that is that made at the time next generation truly next gen because it was doing something different. It was doing something that other games hadn't done, and it was doing something that games couldn't do on the previous generations. And I don't understand why this system, like I don't understand why Warner Brothers themselves didn't take that system. Could you imagine a Batman game? Yeah, one of the Arkham games with a Nemesis system built in that would be, be phenomenal amazing. yeah I mean, bloody bloody good game if you could do it like a gangster you know imagine a gangster one you know you're an undercover yeah. cop 
And or they should have put it in Max Payne as well. Yeah. And you think of like all the different warlords in the um, the wasteland in Max Payne, and most of them you just, just you just kind of work your way through the game and just take them out one by one, and none of them have got any. You know, there's no character there at all, and I couldn't give a damn about fighting anything to be honest. Apart from it progressed the game a little bit further. Um, yeah, the, the Nemesis system is fantastic, and it's not just the whole. Um, if you kill uh, and if an enemy kills you, they might rise up through the ranks. It's also making deals with characters, yeah. making deals with some of these war, war, uh, orc warlords, to, to well, these the lower ranking orcs, to take out their superiors so that they can rise through the ranks yeah. and they will do you favors in return. And playing off these different factions against each other, and the whole thing was just so brilliantly put together. God, I need to get that game installed and go back and finish it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is amazing game. Um, I haven't played it since probably last year, um, and I've gone back to it and I've loved it. And yeah, it is brilliant. Mm. And the DLC, I think, is all cheap at the moment. It's on yeah, the, it's yeah. it's it's perpetually in um, PlayStation mm. sales. Whenever a sale comes up, it's inevitably there are deals on the uh, on the DLC for it. Which is which I'm surprised it hasn't popped up on PS Plus yet. No. Because this is the sort of game that they could give out for free and then sell the DLC at a cut rate and still make a decent amount of money because the game itself is dirt cheap at the moment, so they wouldn't make much of a loss giving it out for free. No. I think the game of a year edition, which has got everything, is about fifteen for fifteen quid recently. Yeah. So for fifteen quid, you haven't played this, get it on PS4, Xbox One, or PC, because it is absolutely fantastic. I know they take liberties with the Tolkien law. Um not as much as you'd as no. uh, as you'd imagine though. No. It's, it fits not it is a, it is its own story. It's something that was never envisioned by Tolkien. But no. it fits nicely the snugly in between the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And tells um, a story that isn't really covered that much in uh, in the appendices to Lord of the Rings. Um, no. Some of the stuff that was that Peter Jackson tried to put into uh, into the Hobbit films and failed miserably, um, but that's another another story for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, the story fits quite well without taking too many liberties with no. the Tolkien lore. No, I mean they introduced new creatures like the Caragor and the um, oh, there's a big beastie like a Rancor type of monster. Can't remember what yeah. it's called. And even golems in it as well. So yes, good. yeah, yes, yeah. Plus the start, but yeah, it is brilliant. Yeah, mm. loving it. Uh, right, so I'll run through the first few games that I've been playing quite quickly. Dark Souls Three made a little bit more progress on it. I've beaten three bosses and then reached an area where I'm getting mercilessly destroyed. There, there are certain areas in the Dark Souls games. There was some in Dark Souls One, and there were a few more in Dark Souls Two, where you can, when a player has gotten through that area, they are offered the opportunity to join a covenant and the covenant for that particular area will mean defending that area from other players and so I'm at a point where I'm trying to fight through an area with lots of tough enemies and if I want to play online, which is the best way to play it because you can leave messages for other players and read their messages as well to get, to get tips and also call other players in to help you, you are constantly invaded by other players who are members of this covenant who jump into your world and try and kill you to stop you progressing um, and I've reached one of those areas and I'm banging my head against a brick wall at the moment so I've taken a little break from that but I am really really enjoying it it's taken some of the aspects of Dark Souls 2 which were not easier but more accessible 
and then it's taken a lot of the aspects uh, of Dark Souls 1 because it's Miyazaki um, helming it again the, the, the sort of very very intricate level design lots and lots of branching paths lots of shortcuts um, lots of opportunities to get lost uh, lots of little nooks and crannies with, with hidden aspects of lore uh, and hidden items and the classic Dark Souls twisted character design and um, some truly incredible looking bosses um, I'm really really enjoying it uh, but yeah I've, I've hit a bit of a brick wall at the moment so I'm taking a break and I will go back and, and play a bit more of that soon I jumped in and sampled a little bit of the Division and Destiny's recent patch again both the games got big patches the Division added uh, the Incursion mode, which we mentioned a little bit earlier, which is a, a new endgame content, which is incredibly difficult and I haven't been able to finish yet. And they've also made a lot of quality of life changes, whereas before you could play through a challenge level on, on a mission, which is where you'd be playing against enemies that were two levels above the level cap. Uh, it could take 90 minutes to, to, to force your way through one level, get to the end, kill the end boss, and he would drop absolute shit for you. Um, now they've changed it so that when you finish a mission, uh, the daily one of the daily hard missions or the daily challenge mission, and you kill the named enemy at the end, they're guaranteed to drop you a piece of high-end gear. Uh, enemies, named enemies in the Dark Zone also drop guaranteed high-end gear, and they've added some more elements into the Dark Zone. Uh, timed supply drops, where supply drops will drop in from parachute and be guarded by high-level enemies, and then everyone in the Dark Zone will flood to those areas and fight both the enemies and each other to try and pick up the loot as quickly as possible and then get out, <laughs> and that's really, really good. Destiny has made some quite big changes for a free update. They've made, uh, they've brought back Prison of Elders, which was the uh, wave-based arena uh, multiplayer challenge that was in the second DLC, uh, House of Wolves, from spring last year. And they brought that back through to year two and then added a new element of it um, where you play through a new version of the Prison of Elders with a scorecard and you're uh, trying to kill as many enemies in a certain way as quickly as possible to get your scorecard up to get some prize loot. Um, they have upped the light level from 320 to 335 but also made some huge, huge quality of life improvements. So. Um, Infusing high-level weapons into low-level weapons will not guaranteed to bring that level up to the uh, the level of the high-level piece that you're putting into it. Um, when you pick up loot in the raids or um, from Prison of Elders, it is guaranteed to be a higher level than the uh, equipment you've already got equipped. So I went from... I It took me about six months to go from 300 to 320. Oh no, I didn't even get to 320. I, it took me about to get from 300 to 316. And in two hours last week, I went from 316 to 323. <laughs> because the game is just shitting loot. Now, um, a lot of people are going to complain about that because it means that, well, people are already burning out. I mean, there were people who might reached the new max light level within the first day because they just hit it so hard. But for someone like me, who doesn't have the time to put in quite as much into Destiny as I used to. Being able to jump on you know, a couple of times a week and play through the raid or play through Prison of Elders or Challenge of Elders and actually feel like I'm making progress is great. Um, so they've made some changes which are good for lapsed gamers, I guess. Um, not so much for the hardcore gamers who were already burning out on the new content already. But it was free and it'll tide me over um, with some, some that they're already 
talking about bringing some more smaller events like the um, the Sparrow Racing they had a while ago and things like that. Um, little things just to tie me over until there's an actual big expansion later in the year that apparently they're going to announce at E3. So um, I'm really enjoying that. Um, and then on Sunday I had a little bit of a splurge on the Wii U. Uh, I played a bunch of uh, Splatoon, um, signed up for the new Splatfest which uh, you choose in the new Splatfest you've got to choose between Spongebob or Patrick um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, that was a hard choice but I jumped into Team Spongebob uh, so I'll be jumping into the, the Splatfest when that launches I think it's this coming weekend um, that game is still great um, you can jump in and play a dozen matches in, you know, in, a, in an hour or so because it's three minutes a pop and matchmaking is, is so ridiculously quick um, I played a few rounds on Mario Kart 8, that game is still incredible and um, I'm actually improving at it. I thought I'd hit like a bit of a brick wall, I couldn't beat any of my times on time trials and I was kind of finishing mid-table a lot on multiplayer, but um, I had a really good session on Sunday and ended up finishing first or second in pretty much every race I was on. Uh, but then the big one was I took advantage of Nintendo Selects and picked up uh, The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker for uh, £20 and by god that game is incredible. Have you, either you guys played it at all? No. I've played it on the Gamecube so I have. Yeah, see um, I, yeah. I played it originally on Gamecube and it was it was stunning then because of the, the, the cell shaded art style but I mean yep. if you look at side by side shots of what it looked like on Gamecube and what it looks like on Wii U it's even considering how old the game it's night and day it's, it's mm-hmm. an absolutely stunning game. Um probably one of my favourite Zelda games actually. Um, I've played through the uh, the opening section and the, the 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 Link does Metal Gear Solid section where you're sneaking through that fortress near the beginning and then done the first, uh, I guess you call it the first dungeon, the uh, you know when you go to the island with the dragon on top? Yes. Right near the beginning. Uh, I've played through that uh, now I'm just uh, doing a little bit of exploration and whatnot, but uh, I'm absolutely loving it. Um, it looks beautiful. It plays incredibly well. The music is great. The characters are hilarious. Um, mm-hmm. It's a fantastic game. And yeah, 20 quid. Considering how much Wii U games, even secondhand, cost, uh, if you wanted to play this game, getting it for 20 quid is an absolute bargain. Yeah, I think along with the Wind Waker and uh, the rest of the Select range uh, with Super Mario... Um, U plus Luigi U yeah. uh, for £20. They now have Lego City Undercover for £20. Yeah. And before that was released as a select, that was going for 50 quid. Yeah. And probably still is on Amazon. So was um, Wind Waker as well. Yeah. You know, the it's really nice to see that um, games that people actually want to buy um, are being released um, as part of the Nintendo Select range, and mm-hmm. a lot of them are definitely worth getting hold of. If you didn't get one of the bundles with Nintendo Land, it is definitely worth picking up as well. Yeah. Um, it, there's a nice range of multiplayer, but there's certainly enough single-player games there uh, to keep most people occupied, and... Um, I started looking up uh, YouTube um, videos on some of the Nintendo Land games and I'm just going, wow, I didn't even know those extra modes existed until (laughs) I saw people actually completing levels. I think it's the Donkey Kong um, cart one. Yeah. uh, Where you have to make your way through the level as a cart without breaking up um, over the different ledges, etc. And then seeing people speedrunning it um, through (laughs) levels 1, 2 and 3 on YouTube is just mind-blowing. Yeah. uh, Considering I've only completed 
haven't played the level actually once or twice now. Mm. Um, yeah, Nintendo Land's a lovely little game, so it is. It's a real uh, sort of tribute um, to a lot of the sort of bigger games um, and the, the multiplayer games, particularly um, things like Mario Chase are just great fun uh, whenever you have a group of people sitting around. And of course, uh, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze is on there as well. <laughs> oh yes, of course. Yeah. Which is another one I'm very, very tempted to pick up because I was a huge fan of uh, Do- the original Donkey Kong Country back on the SNES. I never mm-hmm. played uh, Donkey Kong Country Returns. Was that what it's called, I think? Yeah, it's the one on the way. Yeah. yeah, I never played that one. I don't know I'd why. never played it either, yeah. No. And it was one of those ones that never really quite felt right on the way for some reason. But um, yeah, I think... Um, there's still people who like it, but yeah, I think Tropical Freeze is supposed to be uh, very, very good. So it's in more of a return to form. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, what's strange actually, because you know you got these from Nintendo Select. We haven't seen anything from Sony or Microsoft. You know, normally they have a range where the best sellers go down in price and re-release them. I mean, we had PlayStation Platinum on the PS3 and 360. Didn't it have a 360 Classics or something? Yeah. It was, yeah, yeah. It's quite strange. With well, three years in, almost three years into this generation, and there's been nothing about these reduced games as such no I suppose they're going down more of the steam sale sort of mm. route just having regular quite aggressive sales where they drop the price of games ridiculously low like, yeah. um, sometimes quite soon after release like uh, within I'd say within weeks of um, the latest Need for Speed coming out they had, they had it on sale yeah. on the Playstation store for £25 um uh, the latest uh, Rainbow Six Rainbow Six Siege was on sale for about £20 digitally yeah. not long after it came out um, yeah they're going for more of the Steam sale uh, model I guess rather than mm. the old uh, Playstation Platinum model but, yeah, it's, just, uh, yeah. it's, just, it's just a strange one that's all I mean even now on retail the, those games are reduced because they haven't been really big sellers of them. I mean I've seen Rainbow Six for about 20 quid yeah so I mean, even Battlefront. I mean, she's a big seller. Um, that's that twenty quid today. She's get it from Game and Amazon. So I think been... the problem with Battlefront is that it hasn't had a massive tail, to be honest. No. But it sold massively when it first came out because there's a new Star Wars film coming out, and everyone was excited about Star Wars, and it's good fun for a, for a while, and then then you don't go back to it because it's. It's a very, very casual shooter. I mean, that's mm. not the same with Rainbow Six Siege. Rainbow Six Siege is the complete opposite. It is the, it is the most hardcore of, of multiplayer shooters. It's almost like Operation Flashpoint in terms of like uh, you, you take a couple of bullets and you're dead. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think that it's, there's too much competition uh, online for a lot of these multiplayer games. Uh, especially with the popularity of, of games like The Division and Destiny, which demand so much attention, or until at least recently, demanded so much attention from their players. I mean, to get the best out of something like Destiny for quite a while, you needed to be on it every single day, and they just—I guess most people just don't have enough time for, for, for games like that. But um, no. yeah, um, I'm yeah, Nintendo Selects is great if you want to pick up some stone cold classic Wii U games, then. Uh, then check it out. There's, um, isn't it a Mario Party as well? Um, there might be. Uh, there's Wii U Party, I think, which is a that's slightly the one. Sorry, that's one. The one so yeah, yeah, it's not quite Mario Party. No, no, no. yeah. <laughs> Mario Party is the uh, the one that that people have a very love hate relationship with. I think, isn't it? 
Yeah, I think it's sort of nearly almost like uh, Star Trek films. It's like every other one's a good one, but the other ones in between <laughs> weren't quite so good. Yeah. I think the one on the Wii U wasn't quite as well received as the one that was available on the Wii. Yeah, I'm looking at this. So there is uh, New Super Mario Bros. U plus New Super Luigi U, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze, Nintendo Land, Wii Party U, The Legend of Zelda, The Wind Waker HD, and Lego City Undercover, all for 20 quid a pop. Yep. And if you search round, you can actually get on some gaming websites, some of those are down to about 16. Yeah. Uh, so they are, which is yeah. just phenomenal value. Mm. Especially because, like we were saying, like uh, Nintendo games, especially the Wii U games, just seem to hold their value for so long, yeah. Uh, yeah. even secondhand. Like, uh, I've been looking for ages for a, a copy of uh, Wind Waker at a reasonable price. Can't find a used copy anywhere, uh, and I couldn't find a new copy for less than about 40, 50 quid. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's very, I don't think I've ever seen it drop below 50 quid on the, uh, on the Nintendo store, so um, yeah, I was very happy to pick that up for, for 20 pounds yeah. on Really, really enjoying it. Like it's, it's like I think one of my favourite um, Zelda games, and uh, I'm gonna be playing a lot more of that in the weeks to come. Yep, I should of course be now channeling my inner Lee and reminding people that if they buy them on the eShop, they will then get their <laughs> gold coins for yes. their Nintendo Rewards program. Yeah, yeah, I need to check that actually because mm. I've been uh, I've been earning quite a few coins in. Um, uh, Mitomo Mi as Tomo. well. Yeah, I got a new phone and uh, re- I-, I had a little bit of a, of a break from Mitomo. Um, reinstalled it on the new phone. Had a purge of my friends list because uh, <laughs> I had I had I went through a batch of just accepting all the friend requests I got through, and because it suggests yeah. friends to you based on mutual friends, I had my friends list was full of people who I didn't know, so I went through and purged everyone off the list who I didn't know from Twitter or, or didn't know personally, and um, I've been on it two or three times a day since then. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I need to. Uh, I'm looking at the moment at. Uh, I need 60 more coins to get 40% off um, the wonderful 101, which oh. is a game I kind of want to play because that, that's a um, it's a platinum one. So that's a platinum yeah. game, yeah, and it looks it looks insane. The demo is uh, worth downloading and having a go at. It's very polished. Um, a lot of people weren't overly fussed on it. No, um, but from the demo I played of it, I I really did quite like it. And again. Um, I know maybe about a year ago I missed out on dropping down to actually under £15 on I think it was either shop2.net or the game collection mm. and it's now hard to get hold of under £30 so yeah um, I'm slightly gutted about that at the time mm. um, but yeah that's definitely one on my if I ever spot it at a reasonable price it's definitely going to be one that I'd like to pick up yeah um, I'm hoping to see that at some point hopefully they'll be uh, I'll be able to spend my coins on a discount for um, Pikmin as well because oh I feel Pikmin's like that's, great fun so yeah that's another one that, that, that I've, I've seen plenty of footage of and, and screenshots and, and I really want to play just yeah. waiting for, to be able to get it at a decent price that's the problem with picking up the Wii U quite late in its lifespan it's just that now I've got this mass of games I need to get back and play <laughs> I haven't played uh, New Super Mario Bros. U or New Super Luigi U I haven't played Super Mario 3D Land uh, sorry 3D World yep um, there's so many games on it I haven't played and it's just so many games so little time 
and yet yeah, you get people saying, "Oh, the Wii U has no good games." Yeah, it's got nothing but. Um, it's got uh, like the. Um, it's got a smaller, far smaller catalogue than um, three than the Xbox One and the PS4. But yep. it's just the sheer quality of the titles on there mm-hmm. is fantastic. Yeah, and it's uh, it's trying to pick them up at a reasonable price. You do get the odd ones that sort of stay down in price, but certainly any of the Nintendo uh, proper first-party ones um, definitely um, have stayed up in price. And again, it's the same as it was on the Wii as well. They mm. don't come down in price very often. Yeah. I mean, Lego City stayed in that price. I mean, I've been like, looking at that, even though I got a Wii U. It's a Lego game, so I'm after it. Um, yep. But that stayed high. That has been extremely high. But it's good mm. to see it's come down in this release. Yeah, was that Lego City Undercover? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's another one I've been tempted to pick up because I've, I've played a decent Lego game in ages. And I, I can't afford to start jumping down the rabbit hole that is uh, Lego Dimensions. <laughs> <laughs> not, not with my crippling amiibo addiction. <laughs> <laughs> So our uh, lunch hour game of the week for this week is Clash Royale, which is available on iOS and Android. It's um, Supercell Games' uh, spin-off of uh, Clash of Clans, which I've tried a couple of times to play and never gotten into. Um, and I'm, it's one of those games you see advertised literally everywhere. Um, and I've never really gotten into it, but I've uh, Clash Royale is really, really easy to get into and really, really fun if you ignore all of the bullshit around the sides of it. Um, it's have, have either of you played this at all? No. No, I have seen many things about it, and I don't know if I have the time to put into it. <laughs> See, that's the thing is, it is like you can play it really, really quickly. It's like I don't know how long the average match on Clash of Clans lasts but uh, Clash Royale is basically you've got three towers, your enemy's got three towers, you um, have like a deck of cards with uh, uh, units that you can drop um, and those cards will be randomly placed on and every time you place one uh, another one will replace it. And you've got a mana bar at the bottom which slowly fills up and then the amount of mana you've got at the moment in that gauge uh, is how it determines what units you can drop and you drop them into one of the three lanes to try and take out the two towers at the side and then the main tower at the back and then the, the enemy's doing the same thing. Um, I'm very early into it so I haven't got into the quite complicated stuff later. Apparently it gets really complicated later on of basically you are trying to um, use your deck of cards more efficiently than the, uh, the, the opponent so like playing low level cards that you think can take out the enemy the, that the opposing player has dropped down so that you can save your really high powered stuff for later on to just crush them um, I'm really really enjoying it. it It like the games lasts for, I don't know 5 minutes at most I think it's probably less than that there's, I think there's a timer on it that's less than 5 minutes actually mm. um, you usually get through a game in a, in a couple of minutes the only thing is the uh, really annoying free-to-play aspects of it. Like, um, so when you finish a match, um, you will get a chest, um, and the chests take time to open, um, ranging from so far I've seen like wooden chests that like you click on it and then have to wait 15 seconds for it to open, hmm. which is kind of you know whatever. Um, some of them 
that I've seen uh, so far, and I imagine they'll get even worse later on. Like you get a chest and you click on it, and then you have to wait three hours for it to open oh. for absolutely no oh. reason whatsoever. Yeah, and it's like it's it, I I don't understand. Oh, I, I understand why from their business model, um, but I don't understand why they can't take say the um, Hearthstone style. Um, approach to it. So in, in Hearthstone when you get rewards for winning a match, you don't have to wait to redeem your rewards, do you? No. No. They're just, like, yeah, they're just there. Yeah, they're just there. I mean, you can put money into it, and people do put a lot of money into it, otherwise Hearthstone wouldn't still be going, I imagine. It's a very good business model. People put money into it to buy more cards, um, not to speed up the countdown on getting the cards <laughs> that they've already won. Um... And so, if you can get past that nonsense, um, it might eventually grind me down to the point where I don't want to play anymore. But at the moment, it's kind of like, I'll play a couple of matches, get the maximum number of chests I've got available to unlock, set them all to unlock, and then forget about it for six hours or so. Come mm. back later on, open up those chests, play a few more games, rinse and repeat. Um, it's really good. It's uh, Once you've gotten past the uh, tutorial section, it does demand that you have an online collection because it is multiplayer only. Um, mm. I think that was the same with uh, Clash of Clowns. Um, but uh, yeah, it's an interesting little game. Uh, I never thought that I would get hooked on a Supercell free-to-play game. Mm. But um, uh, if you've got uh, an iOS or an Android device, then I'd say I'd say check it out. Just don't give them any money. Yeah, it's a terrible model. <laughs> That's bad. It's playing on people's sense of anticipation, isn't it? So. Yeah, it was the same thing. Well, I, I will, I will happily admit that I got hooked for a while until I saw the light on um, Simpsons Tapped Out, mm. and it was the same thing with that. Like the nonsense, like having to wait a certain amount of time for a building to build, or you can give them a little bit of money and build yeah. it straight away, and it's yeah. like that's a horrible model. Um, and that eventually ground me down to the point where it's like, why am I playing this? I'm just tapping on a screen. But at least with Clash Royale, there is an actual quite, it seems, quite complex and, and deep um, multiplayer element to it where, with a lot of uh, nuance uh, and a lot of, a lot of tactic. Um, so, yeah, I'm enjoying that. And like you say, you, you can squeeze in you can squeeze in like three or four matches in half an hour comfortably so if you're looking for something to do on your lunch break or on your commute then uh, give Clash Royale a go Moving on to the news, uh, here are the stories that we've uh, noticed over the last week. Uh, do you want to start us off, Stuart? Yes, while we have been on air, we have had breaking news uh, that <laughs> World of Warcraft Legion will launch on August 30th. This from comes from Destructoid.com. World of Warcraft Legion, the MMO 6th expansion, will launch on August 30th, Blizzard have just announced. Taking place on the hills of Warlords of Draenor, this $50 add-on raises the game's level cap from 100 to 110, introduces a new Demon Hunter class and sports new dungeons, raids and artifact weapons. As well as the standard edition, there is also a $70 digital deluxe set, which comes with in-game bonuses of the studio's games. Uh, those include a mount and pet for World of Warcraft, a Heroes of the Storm mount, a Helm Transmog and Wings for Diablo 3, and a pair of StarCraft II portraits. 
There is also a $90 physical collector's edition which will be available in limited quantity which along with the digital bonuses also features a hardcover art book, behind the scenes footage, music and a mouse pad. As an incentive to snap up the expansion ahead of release, Blizzard is giving players who pre-order an instant boost to level 100 for one character and early access to the Demon Hunter class. Oh, the, I, I was surprised by the price of the collector's editions, and I'm sure they do sell. Um, but oh yeah, how, how many mice pads do World of Warcraft players need? <laughs> <laughs> How have they got this much space for collector's editions as well? Because PC collector's editions are huge. I, I was uh, I was uh, shifting through my um, <laughs> my collector's editions I've got the other day, and like most of them are console, and they're reasonably sized, like sensibly sized and then I've got yeah. a World of Warcraft uh, World of Warcraft, uh, a Starcraft 2 um, the first part of well, uh, of Starcraft 2 um, collector's edition it's the size of a, of a briefcase <laughs> yeah, I think any of the any of the World of Warcraft ones do seem to be fairly big, I'm also yeah. looking just as it goes through the sort of digital bonuses and what have you, there's not a mention of Hearthstone there, which I'm actually quite surprised at hmm. um, it's surprising that there's not a card back um, I think giving an extra card um, based on uh, pre-orders etc for Hearthstone would be maybe a little unfair to people who don't play um, World of Warcraft um, but I'm surprised there's not a little um, card back there. I think there was one for Warlords of Draenor uh, so that's a little bit surprising but yeah, um, the people who love World of Warcraft will be jumping for joy on that yeah. and I think everybody else will be going meh <laughs> Yep. Yeah, that's that's pretty mm. much my reaction to it. But that was my reaction from the very beginning. <laughs> I'm surprised that it's still. I know Blizzard games kind of have longevity, and we had that news story a few weeks ago about how they're they're bringing out patches for Diablo 2 mm-hmm. um, and the uh, Warcraft Three apparently has a big fan base in China. But World of Warcraft is now 12 years old. How much longer can do you reckon it will go on for before they try something? Or is it just like a platform that's just going to keep going and going? I think until the the player base um, actually drops off significantly. Um, this is what their sixth release now, so that's what uh, one expansion every two years. Mm. Uh, if they can keep that model up, and obviously people are still playing it, um, and that's on a monthly subscription, I don't think there'll be any time soon um, that they'll decide to um, shut that down. Um, I'm presuming that they still have a sort of uh, roadmap of plans going forward. Mm. Um, so as long as the user base and player base is there, um, they will keep that going. Well, you know, it, I, I mean, remember reading last year there was some report about it's losing subscribers and I just did a quick look. And you know, when a company suddenly starts going, we will no longer report um, the number of users we have. Yeah, no things are in trouble. And um, that's what Blizzard yeah. decided to do last November. They won't yeah. report anymore numbers of how many subscribers we've got so yeah I think it's losing them I think last time I saw it was 6 million or something from what I can see here the last announced ones that I can see was Q3 2015 and it was still 5.5 million players well it's 5.5 mm. million mm. subscribers I think so it was down that's... for about Timber, wasn't it from early in the year or yeah but uh, I mean how much is a subscription a subscription's got to be about ten pounds a month or something like that. Something I think it's possibly ten or fourteen dollars, sort of. Yeah. yeah, and around the same sort of price. So times that by five and a half million. That's still a lot, <laughs> a of, lot money. of money. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. So uh, in terms of like a business model, I can see why 
um, is still going, but uh, I mean, the, the fan base has shrunk a little bit, it seems, um, and they appear to have stopped publishing subscriber numbers, but still seems to be uh, still seems to be going pretty strong. I've never yep. seen the appeal myself, though. No. Well, with the news on the new expansion, they're obviously trying to um, get a little bit of interest for people who have either never played it or um, lapsed players and get them back mm. in it again, um, depending on what extra new features as well as the extra class. Yeah, um, has to actually give the game. Mm. So yeah, they, they, I would no doubt um, expect there to be a, probably a bump in numbers for them um, with new players and or lapsed players coming back on. Um, but again, yeah, it's for people who have possibly been there from the start. Um, I would imagine it's hard uh, to get into um, as a brand new player. But I'm sure there will be people who just fancy an MMO and that's always one of the better regarded ones. Well, it is the it's mm. the default one to go to. It is, yeah. It? It's the one that's that's lasted the longest. It's the one that's that still has a subscription fee as well. Where other ones like uh, Star Wars: The Old Republic tried a subscriber fee and then ended up going free to play, and other ones have come and gone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still going strong. So fair play to them. Mm. I mean, Blizzard don't tend to put out bad games, so there must be something about it that people like. Still, I think the um, <laughs> movie comes out this year, doesn't it? It does. It is, yeah. yeah. It's sometime in June, July, maybe. Directed by Duncan Jones. Yeah, June third. Yeah. June third. So they get maybe getting a bump from that. We're bringing that in August. So maybe. Yeah. The trailer for that film looks awful, but uh, <laughs> I'm hoping it's good because because I'm a big fan of the director. You're just encouraging us to get hate mail. You know, these all World of Warcraft <laughs> fans. You know, we need to keep them sweet a bit. You know. You know, I've spoken to World, uh, to, to World of Warcraft fans who've seen the trailer, and mm. it does look, it does look a bit garish, a bit, a bit trashy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It looks a bit silly, um, but I don't know. It could be good. I've got faith in Duncan Jones. Okay, our next news story comes from Eurogamer, and that is that you can now play Fallout New Vegas as a YouTube choose-your-own-adventure. YouTuber and Fallout fanatic, many a true nerd, has adapted Fallout New Vegas into a choose-your-own-adventure video series. Entitled Fallout New Vegas Choose Your Own Apocalypse, this interactive novel tasks players with going through Fallout New Vegas' campaign by making a series of decisions in a collection of short video segments. Each clip lasts somewhere between 30 seconds and a couple of minutes and ends with a choice influencing where your adventure leads. Uh, it's rather thorough and many a true nerd noticed, uh, noted at the conclusion that there are multiple routes through the game that will result in success. So just because one of your schemes goes bust doesn't mean it's time to fold. Upon meeting your engine prompted to start again, that you could always cheat by using the back button, something many true nerd discourages. Uh, Fallout New Vegas, choose your own apocalypse is best played on a computer, as mobile devices may not embed the annotated choices within the video, which is a shame as many true nerd did a pretty good job of laying out the positioning of each choice, making decisions clear and easy to follow, if not to make. Uh, so uh, yeah, go and give that a go. Uh, I'm going to be loading that up uh, tomorrow and giving it a blast because I haven't played um, New Vegas in years. Um, I'm kind of surprised that Bethesda are, uh, are okay with this because they must still be selling that, right, on Steam? Yeah, yeah they are still selling it on Steam. Yeah. But yeah. 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 Next week, new story, Bethesda pulls it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, look out for that story next week. Yeah. It's an. In- I don't think anybody's ever tried to do something like this before. I mean, I, I really like when uh, the internet tackles a game in a new sort of way like I 
spent hours and hours watching Twitch plays Pokemon and um, Twitch plays Dark Souls. Uh, and so I don't think anyone's ever tried to take a game like this and put it up as in video format as a choose-your-own-adventure thing. But I used to read a lot of choose-your-own-adventure novels when I was a kid, so um, I'm kind of interested in this. Yeah, back in the classic days of the Final Fantasy books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there was so that they didn't have uh, Goosebumps Choose Your Own Adventure books as well. There was, yeah. There yeah. was a couple of Nightmare ones as well. It was called Give Yourself Goosebumps or yeah. something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sonic Boom, is it? I think Sonic Boom, is it? Yeah. It does it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, Sonic Boom. Yeah. Sonic Giles. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sonic Boom. <laughs> I ain't got an American accent. No. Giles, the next Street Fighter Five DLC character from Eurogamer. So Capcom has just announced that Giles is the next DLC character for Street Fighter Five. He'll be available free later this month to all players, and he'll stay free until the Zeni Shop launches, and he'll get his own set of trials and character story. His battle costume is free to all season pass holders. Um, it sounds like this version of Guile has some cool new tools at his disposal. Catcom said in Street Fighter 5, Guile has a crouch walk stick called Faultless Move that lets him keep his charge while moving forward. Sounds interesting. Guile's is a great choice for those of you who are looking for a chi- charged character who can easily control the pace of a match, Capcom said. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Street Fighter is still having a little bit of a problematic launch. Um, it is, yeah. yeah. On-disc DLC uh, aspects that still haven't been put into the game, aspects that are finally getting put into the game that aren't working properly. I think they're still trying to tackle issues with um, people artificially inflating their win ratio by dropping out of games and things like that. And um, yeah, they're not they're not punishing the rage quitters yet. And uh, no. I think they had. According to their own sort of announcement calendar and what have you, they had about 12 days before they actually needed to make, um, or at least announce Guile as a DLC character. I think they had um, announced a DLC character being available um, at the end of the month. So yeah, I think they're even running very close to the wire um, Mm. on even their own uh, release schedule for DLC as well. The way that they're saying that he's free until the Zenny Shop launches, is that uh, that makes me think of like... um, the, are, they, are they trying to do things a bit like Smite and um, some of the PC MOBAs do where you have like a character that's free for a while to try out and then if you want to keep them you have to pay? It does seem oh. that way, at least in that wording anyway. Hmm. Um, so whether or not um, that will be and whenever he finally gets and the shop is actually launched and uh, then he gets his own set of trials and character story whether or not you actually have to buy him at that stage, I would guess that he'll not necessarily stay free as a character pick once that happens, even if you had previously um, got him at the end of the month. Um, yeah. So, interesting. From what I've heard of Street Fighter V, um, there are um, sort of well-documented issues um, that are going on with it, but the players who play it say it's very mechanically sound, and yeah. uh, they absolutely do love it. It's just a pity yeah. that there are so many issues, and it really does seem like a an uncompleted game that could have done with at least another couple of months, if not maybe six months. Um, yeah, exactly. Released, but I think they're trying to build this more as like a platform rather than a uh, individual Street Fighter release. Yeah, if I remember correctly, uh, reading a while ago that you know in previous versions you'd have Street Fighter 
uh, Street Fighter 4, Super Street Fighter 4, Ultimate Street Fighter 4, Street Fighter 4 Alpha, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> they're not going to do those subsequent releases anymore. It's just going to be Street Fighter 5, and they'll just add content onto yeah. that. Yeah. Um, rather than bringing out you know, versions in the future. So they'll do balancing uh, and adding in new characters on the fly rather than saving them for a standalone release. Mm-hmm. And I think, it's, I think maybe they're just having some teething problems with, with launching a game on that sort of platform. But then, mm. to be honest, the last Street Fighter launched with a lot of issues and people complaining about on-disc DLC and things like that. So, uh, mm. And that still sold great. So it yeah. did, yeah. People who love Street Fighter are going to get Street Fighter V. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the people yeah. who love Street Fighter already have Street Fighter V. Yeah. Yeah, they're exactly, just hoping yeah. they fix it. Yeah, it's just um, whether they can... Because I've heard a lot of people saying that it's, um, at one and the same time, one of the most deep and complex Street Fighter games ever, but also probably the most accessible Mm. for beginners. Easy to get into, difficult to master. Yep. Um, So if you were ever going to get into a fighting game, then maybe worth... I I mean, if if when it's all finished and everything's in the game, um, I might think about trying it myself because I've... Always appreciated fighting games from a distance and always been terrible at them, so I might give that a try at some point. But at the moment, it's just not a complete game. Batman Arkham HD Collection has been revealed via a leak, and this is coming via Eurogamer. A Batman Arkham HD Collection has been leaked via a GameStop employee sending pictures of the unannounced anthology to Eurogamer. Um, as seen in the picture which um, accompanied the article, Batman Arkham HD Collection contains both Batman Arkham Asylum and Batman Arkham City along with all the DLC for both titles. What the collection won't include however is Batman Arkham Origins which was made by Warner Brothers Montreal Studio. The rest of the series was held by Rocksteady. Batman Arkham HD Collection is scheduled for a PS4 and an Xbox One release on the 10th of June with pre-orders going live tomorrow, obviously depending on what region you're in. Uh, we've cr- requested comment from publishers Warner Brothers and will update as um, they reply back, if they reply back. We personally haven't requested comment yet. No, no, not us. <laughs> Eurogamer has. I think we're a little bit low-key for Warner Brothers to get back to us. At the minute. We might go for a big league, so come on. Yeah. Yeah, there's not more, much more to be said on the HD collection. It's maybe disappointing that Origins isn't being um, put into it and therefore making like a complete trilogy um, for PS4 and Xbox. But um, presumably because it was a different studio, there would be some issues yeah. there. I think Rocksteady are a bit annoyed about it, so... But I will be picking it up. I'm quite... You know, I love the Batman games, so... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much of a remaster they are or if they are a simple port. It does say Batman Arkham HD, but then both the 360 and the PS3 were both HD consoles anyway. PC part. Yeah, presumably it will be. Um, so they might put a nice little polish on them, but functionally I don't think there'll be anything new on those, so it'll be for people who haven't necessarily played them or just want to have a slightly nicer looking version of it. And the first Arkham game is a an absolute masterpiece. Um, it started to lose a little bit of its magic um, when Arkham City came out. Um, I say that looking at my special edition of Arkham City with a <laughs> statue of Batman. Um, and then, like I was saying the, the other week, uh, I haven't finished uh, Arkham Knight 
and I don't know when I'll go back and finish it. Um, but the the first one is like it is a as close as you can get to a perfect game is one of my favorite games from the previous generation. Mm. So um, yeah. any excuse to play through that again, I will gladly take, but I'll probably, if I get it, I'll probably ignore Arkham City. It's when yeah. it basically, when Batman went, it, it's when, when they expanded it out over an entire city, it just kind of lost its focus. Mm. Whereas the original, where it was Batman trapped in Arkham Asylum, um, was absolutely great. Yeah, I really should get around to playing those at some stage. Opportunity here. Yeah, the, the, well, I don't have an Xbox One or a PS4, but they are on my Steam account. I really should do something about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Arkham Asylum plays really well on PC as well, apparently. Mm. Which is a bit more than could be said for uh, Arkham Knight. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ubisoft are threatening to punish the division players who are using a popular exploit. Uh, this story is also coming from Eurogamer. Um, so as I was saying earlier, uh, last week we had the, the new division patch which introduced the incursion uh, mode. Now, part of the new patch was when you get to the end of the incursion mode you would get a very high level piece of kit. They introduced um, gear sets like you would get in something like Diablo where you have an armor set and you get a set bonus for having two, three or four pieces of the set equipped and basically uh, there's technical problems with the update when it went live uh, but players were eventually able to battle through these and grab their first dollop of proper endgame loot. Um, Falcon Lost uh, which is the incursion mode is designed to dole out its resort rewards to players just once a week um, the same as uh, the raids and the night and things like that in Destiny. Uh, Ubisoft intended the incursion to be regular activity, everyone to slowly inch their characters up to the game's level cap. Uh, but unfortunately, less than a week later, players are rinsing Falcon Lost repeatedly. Uh, people discovered an exploit in which they were able to gain the rewards over and over again. Uh, the glitch involves using the game's portable cover skill to slide through a wall. Doing so will skip most of the incursion's boss encounter while still providing access to its loot. It also tricks the game into thinking the loot has not been claimed, meaning activity can constantly be rerun over and over and over again. Uh, players happy to partake in the cheat have found themselves richly rewarded, but has left others who are trying to play the game properly, like myself, uh, left long behind in the dust, and the Division's community is split at the moment. Um, forums are exploding. Uh, the Division subreddit is full of very angry posts. Because there is this PvP aspect of the Dark Zone, players are running into other players in the Dark Zone who have used this exploit to get the maximum amount of top-end loot that they can and equip their players out so they are basically walking tanks. Um, and if you come up against these players in the Dark Zone and they decide that they're going to gun you down, you have absolutely no chance. And so I fortunately haven't come across any of these myself, but lots of people um, have been reporting horror stories of being destroyed in the Dark Zone over and over and over again by people who have obviously used this exploit to reach the maximum gear score that they can um, by basically cheating the system. And I... <laughs> I could, there's some people have been trying to defend it, saying that like the, the exploit is in there, so why not use it? And I have used exploits in games like this before. Uh, there was a few in um, raids uh, in Destiny, 
um, before we figured out uh, in a reliable way to be able to beat the boss at the end of a raid, then we'd use a cheese where you could just repeatedly throw grenades at them until he fell off the edge of the map um, <laughs> or something like that until Bungie patched it out. But to be honest, it's just not fun to play a game that way and it, I, I've seen how to do it and I have absolutely no intention of doing it myself. Um, I haven't been able to beat incursion mode legitimately yet, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to continue trying and actually do it properly. But uh, yeah, the uh, apparently this has been patched out already. Apparently, although um, not sure whether that's true or not. Um, but yeah, uh, Ubisoft massive struggling at the moment with a lot of problems that are causing huge rifts amongst the division's player base. So a new Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters game has been announced by Activision. They have confirmed that it's making a new Ghostbusters video game and it will just hit before the Paul Feig directed cinematic reboot. The new game, however, which is simply titled Ghostbusters, which won't feature the new cast, much to the relief of many people. I'm not getting involved in that argument. It's Ghostbusters. No. I will watch it. But it will feature four different characters. In its debut trailer, the new Ghostbusters video game is four-player cooperative action game, and it appears that the Ghostbusters are a quartet of high school students. Um, this is coming to the PS4, the Xbox One, PC on July the 12th. Is that when? When's the film due to come out? Um, uh, probably July. After July probably the 12th. Time, yeah. yeah, it's <laughs> probably going to be a time with that. Yeah. I haven't actually seen the trailer for this, but. Interesting to note that it's a four-player cooperative action game, so mm. that could be interesting. Um, assuming that it's not just local player and it's obviously going to be um, online multiplayer as well, that could yeah. be a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, running around chasing ghosts with a, a proton beam, yeah, can't beat that. No. Just uh, don't don't cross the streams. No, don't, no, no, don't don't cross them. No, <laughs> it would it would be bad. <laughs> Very bad. <laughs> nah, I mean I played the last one on the PS3. I enjoyed that with all the things. Maybe they should have remastered that one and released it, but I suspect it's all to do with the, the licenses involving the um, voices of the act- yeah. actors. But I hope if it's far play, it might be good. Who knows? Depending on the price, it could be worth a punt. Okay. Yeah. Hot on the heels of me waxing lyrical about my love for the Legacy of Kane games in the last episode. Uh, the news is broke that Nosgoth is cancelled with the beta servers closing down in May 2016. To be honest, I didn't know this game was even still in beta. I thought it was out-out. It was either officially out or it had ended ages ago. But, um, yeah, there's uh, news coming from uh, Uber Gizmo. It looks like Square Enix's free-to-play multiplayer game known as Nosgoth, uh, set in the Legacy of Kane world, will not uh, be able to live a long life as it had not made its way out of beta. Uh, Nosgoth, which is Square Enix's online Legacy of Kane spin-off, has apparently been confirmed to have been cancelled. This might not be an earth-shattering announcement, but it's still a disappointment to fans who would probably like to have seen it continue and perhaps enter into gold status. Nosgoth first entered open beta in January last year, but it does not look as though it will have the kind of endurance to last all the way into being a final release, with the beta set to be taken offline this coming 31st of May 2016 for good. According to Square Enix, this is because the game itself disappointed the company as it did not manage to obtain a large enough audience to, in order to sustain ongoing operations. In other words, there was no critical mass uh, achieved. 
Nosgoth's community manager on the Square Enix forums wrote, It is with heavy heart and an immense sense of sadness that we must announce the end of Nosgoth's development. Servers will continue to run until the 31st of May 2016, during which time we'll be able to play the game as normal. After that date, Nosgoth will be taken offline for the last time. It's a, a shame. I never played it, probably never had any intention of playing it, but that's probably another nail in the coffin of any chance of a, a reboot or a, a HD remake or any newer release in the Legacy of Kane series which I absolutely love uh, and miss dearly. It's also a problem with I guess with online games I mean I can still go back and play any of the Legacy of Kane games uh, on PS1 and PS2 um, or I could buy them digitally on the, the PS1 classics on PlayStation mm. 3 but a game like this that's multiplayer only when they turn the servers off that's it it's gone forever. Interesting that I'm just looking at the uh Paid for it on Steam. It was released on the 21st of January 2015, and certainly at the minute is free to play, and I think it has been free to play for a while. So again, I think it's just went went to the wall like an awful lot of um, other MMOs previously, and uh, just the player base never quite reached uh, the numbers that they were hoping for, and the game itself never really got the plaudits or uh, kind reviews. It's currently sitting as mostly positive. At 74% on Steam, which isn't too bad. Um, mm. But again, yeah, it just obviously never got the traction. No. And uh, if you want to, you've got just over a month to sit and play it for a while. Mm. The thing is, when when Square Enix say that it's done disappointingly, <laughs> you never know whether it's actually has done disappointingly or it's been disappointing in, in Square Enix's views because they were disappointed with the number of, of uh, copies sold for the original Tomb Raider reboot. Mm. And that sold pretty well, didn't it? Um, and now there's the news that broke uh, last week about how uh, apparently, although it was, it, it was they subsequently rolled back on that announcement, um, that apparently that they are expecting Final Fantasy XV to sell 10 million copies, which, as someone pointed out on the internet, is um, the same number of copies that The Witcher 3 and Metal Gear Solid 5 sold combined. Um, <laughs> so they're not going to hit that. But yeah, Square Enix seems to have unrealistic expectations for how a game is going to be sold, um, which may explain a little bit why they're moving down this episodic gaming um, sort of model with mm. releasing um, Hitman in pieces and then they're going to release the Final Fantasy 7 remake in pieces uh, and try and sell it a little bit of a chunk at a time to try and maximise the amount of money they get because they feel that it's not going to sell as many copies as they would like mm -hmm. but for all we know it, it, another publisher could have made a go of it but mm. that's the problem when a beloved IP is owned by a company like Squeenix problem yeah. is Where's the advertising for it? Where was the advertising for Noskov? I had I got absolutely no idea. I saw a video on Polygon um, some some point last year. It might have been when the beta first launched back in January last year. I was like, oh my god, it's a Legacy of Kane game. I didn't think they'd make another one of these. Then nothing. Yeah, I it's heard a... nothing about it until this new story. <laughs> it's like they're almost relying on word of mouth, isn't it? Sorry, Sue. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that, yeah, unless you were even um, looking through the free-to-play section mm. on Steam, you probably wouldn't have come across this. Um, I don't even know if there were any specific in-app purchases or anything like that attached to it. There's nothing currently on the Steam list, so if there has been some there, um, they've certainly been taken down since the announcement yeah, I think um, that the servers would be shut down. 
Um, I think that's always one of the problems with free-to-play um, MMOs is the fact that you know you can get into it, but then the starter packs are sitting at like thirty odd quid or whatever um, oh. for maybe a character and a couple of sort of stat bonuses and things like that. And mm. a lot of people just go nah <laughs> whenever they read that. Um, yeah. Whereas if it was more competitively priced with um, smaller, cheaper um, DLC, then they might stand a chance. But again, you know, Nosgoth is just one of many. There was DC Universe. There's been Insurgents, both of which were um, partnered with DC. Um, Insurgents, I think, was one of the alternate universes, um, and it's gone um, to the wall as well. And this is one of many, and it'll certainly not be the last one. Um, it'll just go. They just can't compete with things like World of Warcraft for the people who mm. do love their MMOs. Yeah. And again, yeah, a lot of it does come down to well, actually make people aware that it's actually there for them to play. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at the Nosgoth. They did have um, microtransactions ranging from for five dollars to eighty dollars. Mm. It's, it's a bit, and it's a bit annoying when you look at it. It's like it never came out of beta, so. And essentially, it's, it's always been in this like trial mode all the time, mm-hmm. and they're still charging people. So essentially, people haven't really bought into the game, haven't bought their microtransactions, and then they've basically gone right, closing this down. But imagine all those people who have had purchased all this stuff, yeah. put money into this yeah. game, and it hasn't even come out properly. There it goes. It's I don't know. It just seems a bit of a um, wider. I'm ranging to a wider topic when you go into these betas and um, Steam, um, what do they call it? Early access. Early, Early access, access yeah. 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 And green light and whatnot. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird that this that, that some games seem to flourish, some games seem to just fizzle out and die. I mean, um, Warframe, uh, which is a free-to-play third-person multiplayer game. Uh, that's been going since March 2013. It still seems to be doing quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, there is War Thunder. There's World of Tanks yeah. and the various spin-offs from World of Tanks. Certain models seem to do incredibly well. I mean, Dota and League of Legends. They're both free-to-play multiplayer games that are absolutely humongous now. They've overtaken uh, games like StarCraft and, um, and Counter-Strike in terms of like. Uh, the, the, the audience that they've got and the amount of money that they can pull together for, for uh, these competitions and tournaments so it just seems to be you know, a shot in the dark as to whether a game will be, a, game, a free-to-play multiplayer game will be popular or whether it will just completely disappear Yeah, there's um, Dirty Bomb which is a free-to-play first-person shooter or squad-based shooter mm. um, that I play on Steam, was released in June 2015 and is still running and uh, I think they've released actually a fairly big patch recently there. Mm. Um, yeah, scheduled update was for April 6th, 2016. Um, so yeah, there's some of them do seem to stick for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, I really quite enjoyed Dirty Bomb. It's an easy one to... I'm not a huge first-person shooter fan, but it, I thought, well, I'll have a week old this. It's free to play, and uh, it's actually quite enjoyable. You can play it in a lot of short bursts. Um, there is some in-app purchases, etc. You buy... Um, cards that you can then stack to sort of upgrade um, certain characters. Again, it's like um, Smite and uh, Heroes of the Storm, where they have characters will have you on rotation, or you can buy a particular one that you like. Um, yeah. yeah. So some of the models just seem to work, and for whatever reason, it just doesn't seem to work for others. Hmm. Well, uh, Team Fortress Two is still free to play, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. 
and that's they, been moving well, for they, the best part of a decade. Yeah, sure, they made that free-to-play ooh, three, four years ago, maybe. Yeah. Um, after being a paid-for, I think it was part of the orange box, and then not long after it that, was, yeah. uh, they made it free-to-play. Yeah, back in 2011, and that's, that's still going strong. Yeah. So, yeah, some games just seem to fail, and some games seem to flourish. Is Ultima still going? Sorry? Is Ultima still going? Ultima? I don't know. Well, Ultima Online? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes? Well, I'm Ultima Online is still going. That's from 1997. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was the story there the other week where um, the servers for the PS2 and Xbox 360 for ooh, Final Fantasy... 11 was it? Final Fantasy 11 yeah yeah the servers were shut down and those were well, that was what 15 years mm. close on people are still playing it yep yeah, there, were, there were enough people upset on the internet so there were obviously still people playing it yeah 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 but unfortunately not enough people playing Nosgoth it seems yeah apparently so might install it just to see how many people are actually <laughs> still playing just out of interest yeah. yeah I wonder if there'll be a um a situation like there was with the, the Noble team on um, uh, Halo, was it Halo 1 or Halo 2, when Microsoft wanted to turn off the servers for that and a group of players <laughs> refused to turn off their Xboxes. <laughs> they just went into a multiplayer game and just stayed online um, for months until one by one they had like network outages and dropped off and eventually I think it was one person left on and it was, it was it got to the point where it was months after the point where Microsoft wanted to turn off the service and they couldn't because there was still someone in the game <laughs> at this stage we want to introduce a new segment which we are calling LGR Homework what we are doing is we are asking the LGR community to help the LGR team keep playing games by inviting you to handpick a game for one of our co-hosts to try. This could be a particular favourite game of yours or perhaps a game you think might really appeal to one of the co-hosts. Alternatively, it might be a game you suspect a given co-host might have missed due to it not necessarily being a well-known title or in a genre they may not have expressed affection for. Basically, the choice is yours. So simply pick any game, old or new, tell us why you've chosen it, and let us know which LGR team member you are setting this game as homework for and why. We are happy to take submissions via email, a short mp3 or a tweet, or even a comment on either our blog or our Facebook page or group. Uh, we should note that whenever you're selecting your games for specific LGR co-hosts, please try to be mindful of the platforms that they may own and try to avoid full price retail releases when possible. Um, so ideally, uh, maybe a couple of years old. Or something that you know is on sale at the time, whenever you suggest it. We should set a limit, so it's got to be, like, is it two years? Yeah, two years, it's got to be minimum of, yeah. A minimum yeah, of two years old. Yeah. A couple of years old, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's fair. And uh, if you listened to last week's episode and heard me go on at length about how I hate the Sims games, please don't suggest that I play a Sims <laughs> game. Sims, send it, do it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so a couple of quick reminders. Uh, our next playlist game is Uncharted Golden Abyss on the PS Vita. It's part of the PSN Easter sale. Is that still up? Yep. Is it's it still going? Is it? No, it's, no it's not. It's not. It's, it's the not. Uh, okay. DLC sale now. Right, so it is no longer part of the PSN Easter <laughs> sale. Um, but it was. it's also a freebie on the Insta... It was a freebie, sorry, on the, uh, the PS Plus Instant Game Collection in the past. So get hold of it, play it, and let us know your thoughts on the game in time for our dedicated episode recording in a few weeks. I think we're planning on recording that 
um, towards the end of May. Towards the end of May. Yeah, towards the end of May. So you've got you've got a decent amount of time to play through it. It's not a huge not a huge game, um, but it is bloody good. So give it a go. And uh, another reminder though, we've got the ongoing topic question of what is your favourite video game openings, and you can email or tweet or send us a comment on uh, our uh, Facebook page to let us know. We've had a few suggestions from our very own Lee. Uh, Lee Howard, that's uh, at Count Fosco on Twitter, and uh, he says, I thought the opening cinematic for Red Dead Redemption was very effective in establishing the world of the Old West and aligning you with with uh, Marston, it's John Marston, wasn't it, the guy's name? Yeah. Not Ma- not Marston's yep. Brewery, as he originally spelled it. <laughs> 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 yeah, that was, I, I really enjoyed the, the opening to Red Dead Redemption, it, it, yeah. it set the stage out very early that this, this game was set during the death of the Wild West, because... You've got uh, you, 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 like um, slightly more civilized characters moving into that part of the world, and you see the the, the beginnings of the, the motor car heralding the end of the horse as the uh, the, the main form of transport. Um, and the, the, there were various points throughout the story where that point was was made as well. But the opening um, brilliantly set out the sort of. But then, to be honest, Rockstar games don't make bad openings. Really, do they? No. No. No, definitely not. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, no. I think Lee's got it. Must have been watching a lot of videos or something, because he's got quite a few, hasn't he? <laughs> he knew he knew it wasn't being going to be on, so he just bombarded the Twitter feed. So, oh, so hey, I tell you what, I'm surprised it's none of these Nintendo, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah surprising. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Lee also mentioned Bioshock. We talked about that one on, on a previous episode mm. as well. But yeah, Bioshock is one of the most memorable video game openings I've, I've ever come across. To, especially the first one with the bathysphere trip down into the the, the bowels of, of Rapture. Uh, we also mentioned uh, Arkham Asylum had a pretty freaking awesome open to You Were the Bat. Uh, never again finished it. <laughs> I'll tell you what, yeah. listeners. If you want to give someone some homework, give it to Lee because he never finishes games according to this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 that's a good point actually. If it's not Nintendo, he doesn't finish it, so <laughs> give him something lengthy to play. <laughs> yeah, the opening to, to Arkham Asylum was, was great, that long walk through the corridor with the. Well, you're being taunted by the, the Joker in his Hannibal Lecter style yeah. restraints. Brilliantly, brilliantly voiced, as always, by Mark Hamill. On a side note, uh, there was some news that broke last week about how they are making a full length R rated animated version of Killing Joke. The Killing Joke, yeah, which is probably my favourite Batman comic. Um, and. Uh, it's going to be done in the art style of Killing Joke and uh, a lot of the, the classic animated Batman uh, voice cast coming back. Mark Hamill is coming back to do the voice of the Joker. So I am very much looking forward to that. That will be interesting, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Killing Joke's a fantastic sort of one-shot sort of. Oh, mm. uh, yeah. And incredibly dark. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the most ambiguous of final uh, frames as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Charlie Brigden at Films on Wax on Twitter has messaged to say that Thunder Force 4 for the Mega Drive had an awesome intro with its awesome synth metal theme I didn't play this one I never had a Mega Drive did either of you play it at all? I think I probably did play it in the day and I'm actually probably thinking because it's on the Mega Drive it's not necessarily the actual game um, intro but certainly just the title screen um, uh, a, right. lot, a lot of games on the Mega Drive always had really good title screens um, I particularly remember the original Terminator game um, just had the sort of classic bit of the Terminator, um, the logo or the, 
the actual title, um, doing mm. the scrolling words backwards and forwards with the music playing in the background, and it was always, yeah, uh, very reminiscent and uh, just brought back fantastic memories of the film itself. And the last one, Dan Ragnar at Justin Knowles, he said, favorite game intro. You've already mentioned Mass Effect 2, so I'll go with Saints Row 4. So stupidly fun. Anyone played that? I think that's about the only part of, of uh, Saints Row 4 that I actually did play, was <laughs> the opening, um, when I borrowed a copy from a friend. Yeah, that like we talked about it a little bit, I think it was in the last episode, about how um, I've never really understood the Saints Row uh, games and I, I thought they were a little bit silly for silliness's sake uh, <laughs> sacrificed actual fun gameplay for just being wacky but um, yeah I mean in Saints Row 4 you play the president of the of the United States and uh, at the beginning of the game I think it's Saints Row 4 isn't it where you're the president and you're, the earth is invaded by aliens and yes. yeah. you, also have, you also have superpowers um, yeah it's it's insane for a while and then it gets a bit it gets a bit boring <laughs> but in terms of an opening it's it's pretty ridiculous and quite funny so look it up on YouTube at least well I have one for this uh, topic as well um, I recently picked up the um, first Dragon's Dogma um, on PS3 for the princely sum of three pounds <laughs> <laughs> for that um, it is totally worth it for both the just the intro title music and the uh, sort of video um for the title screen is just brilliant the music's fantastic but the first 10 minutes of the game um, is just mind-blowing um, so it is after you go ahead and create your character you are instantly thrown into um, sort of a tutorial as such but within that tutorial you are chased by a one of the titular dragons um, I think the name's, uh, game's namesake and then you are thrown into a battle with a chimera um, mm. So yeah, <laughs> that's a fairly full-on um, introduction to a game within the first 10 minutes or so. I haven't progressed any further than that, but uh, yeah, no, that's enough to get me wanting to go back to it and uh, certainly dig in a lot deeper to it. Yeah, um, I thought, well, I don't know if we've mentioned it before or not, but the opening to Metal Gear Solid 2 is uh, one that's always stuck out in my mind. Uh, probably my favourite opening of uh, any of the Metal Gear series. The the whole sequence with uh, Snake walking down the, the walking along the bridge and then throwing off his cloak and jumping onto the onto the ship below. And then if you want to class the entire tanker section as an opening, I guess you probably could. I mean, they gave away that entire section of the game for free if you bought Zone of the Enders. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, as, a, as an extended intro slash tutorial section, the opening of Metal Gear Solid 2 is fantastic as well. One of the ones for a different reason for me, I'm just thinking back to it now, is a Nightmare on the Specky. That first level, you, you, you open up in a room, it's based on a Nightmare TV series, this game, and I think in all the times I played it, I only got past this room twice, and it was just walk around this room, death, killed, 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 killed. <laughs> Tell you what, this is like the Dark Souls version of, you know, on the spec of Yeah, that intro uh, just kept getting killed. No, that's, that's stuck in my memory now. I just can never get past really the first room. And if you got past the first room, straight away, death in the second room. 
Um, yeah, we had another intro suggested to us uh, by uh, Joe Calvo, that's at GBJoey71, who said uh, the best game intro for me was in Dead Space 2. Great, intense, best start ever. No other game has put me on edge like that so soon. I can't really remember the opening of Dead Space 2. I remember very vividly the opening mm. for the first Dead Space game. Um, so I remember when I played it. Yeah, I hadn't long before playing um, the first Dead Space played through, uh, watched um, Event Horizon, and it's a kind of has a very similar theme running through that game. I mean, obviously, there's a lot more ridiculous monsters and stuff like that, and it's a little bit less. The ship has been to hell and back. Um, but yeah, the opening to that whole first section when you when you're creeping through the corridors, you don't see any of the creatures for the first. 10 minutes or so and then it starts getting absolutely shit scary really really quickly um, and I'm terrible with horror games but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that particular game opening has burned itself into my memory um, I want to give a quick shout out to at Revitar on uh, Twitter uh, video game dog art on Friday there he tweeted uh, or they tweeted a number of other podcasts um, including ourselves and Game Infinity Cast, um, the WOFF podcast, Taku podcast, Twin Humanities, uh, Dad Bros show, uh, Behind the Kid, and Staying in Pod. Um, so we were included in um, a number of really good podcasts there, and we have had a new, couple of new uh, listeners because of that. Uh, they are starting from the very start of the <laughs> podcast show, so it'll probably be a little while by the time they actually hear this. Um, I think one of the ones who we've had a particular amount of interactions with was Lanet360 um, on Twitter, who is uh, making his way through the backlog. He uh, has been a little bit daunted by the running times of the earlier shows, um, but hopefully, whenever <laughs> he get, when hopefully whenever he gets to the uh, second season, um, the shows will be a little bit more manageable for him. If you want to get in contact with us, uh, then uh, you want to, if you want to send us any questions, suggestions for new segments you'd like to start doing, or comment on what we're already doing that you like or don't like, or anything for us to read out on the show, if you've got any any suggestions at all, uh, then you can email us at lapsgamerradio at gmail.com. Uh, you can visit our Laps Gamer Radio blog, that's lapsgamerradio.blogspot.co.uk. You can visit the Laps Gamer Radio Twitter feed, at lapsedgamer. And you can like our Laps Gamer Radio Facebook page and add yourself to the LGR Community Facebook group. And you can find all of our podcast episodes to stream or MP3 download at our Podbean web address. Uh, that's lapsedgamerradio.podbean.com. And you can also find us on iTunes. Uh, and if you do, then uh, please be so kind to, to subscribe and drop us a review. And you can check out our Lapsed Gamer YouTube channel for additional content. I did promise on the last episode that I would upload some uh, Battleborn footage because I. I've, I've collected about an hour and a half's worth of footage um, and then haven't got around to uploading it so I'm going to slowly start working that by the time you hear this episode that footage should be up there remember do let us know if you'd like to be on a future episode with us uh, so thanks for listening and goodbye goodbye so long I thought she could use some lipstick. Rusty, stop. Don't hit him. <laughs>